I guess we should do this thing, huh? Fuck yeah, let's do this. All right. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Tip to Tip with Lou and Chris. My name is Lou. And my name is Chris. That's Chris over there as usual. Hey y'all. And uh, we're going to do an episode for you. We're doing episode 21, brother. We are 20. We can legally buy alcohol. You met me when I was 20, right? Or was I 19? I think you were 19, but... Did you just say we could legally buy alcohol? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that's Bente Uno, Chief. <laughs> this is 21. I thought it was 20. No, we're in episode 21. Oh, yeah, I'm getting confused. Why are you confused? What happened there? Because we recorded two episodes last week. We did. We recorded two episodes last week, episode 19 and 20. That's right. 19 is out right now. 20 is not out yet. 20 comes out next Monday. Or this coming Monday, I guess. And then this will come out the following Monday. All right. So, yeah, we can we're legally buy it. alcohol. So now that we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes, about, sorry our, about that. Our our show can legally buy alcohol and then put it in a chili or something and not drink it like I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre. What? That I don't drink? <laughs> no. Putting it in a chili? <laughs> Yeah, like when you make chili, you can like put ingredients in. You know, use beer for cooking, don't you? Does you Nick cook. put alcohol in his chili? I don't know, but I don't make Nick's recipe. He hasn't, he hasn't shared his recipe with me. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I think, I think, I think Tammy makes Jimmy Jimmy Fallon's chili recipe. And there's booze in it. I've never. I'm just saying that because yeah, I've a never. Beer in there. Yeah, I've never heard of. I think she puts Modelo in that bitch. <laughs> okay. Got it. <laughs> little cilantro. I, I fuck with cilantro. I know a lot of people don't, but I do. I know you do. All right, let's not get too sidetracked here. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a big one today. We're doing, uh, like I said, episode twenty one. This is job. Uh, I think it's twenty one, right? Yeah, we're still on par. So, and the, uh, you know what? Let's just do the occupational breakdown. We'll talk about the job there. Occupational breakdown. breakdown. Oh, I think we nailed that. This <laughs> fucking cringeworthy for sure. <laughs> it's it's like I can't force myself to try to sing in key with you. When I when I jump in, my goal is like I I'm trying to not be in key. And then as soon as I start doing it, I'm like, this is bad. Why am I doing this? Why don't I try to get back in key? <laughs> you won. It's a whole mess. A whole thing happens. Um, the job we're talking about today is Cineplex Odeon Town and Country Theaters again. Part yeah, this, this sounds due. familiar. Part do. We've done this before. We've talked about this place before. Uh, what episode was that on? Do you remember? Five? I think that was episode... That was episode nine. Okay. That's episode nine. So, you were close. Not that close. <laughs> <laughs> episode <laughs> nine. Uh, and we didn't talk that much about the theater because I didn't remember very much from that time because... Of this time, because this was dominant, obviously. Because um, this is yeah. a new time. It is. This is this is our time. Our time down here. 
So my position held at <laughs> this time around. Why? <laughs> What's funny? It's Why our time down here, up there. Yeah, it's it's go- their time. Goonies. Goonies, man. Did, All right. Did it take you that long to get it? Yeah, no, it's just still <laughs> funny to me. I'm sorry. Oh, Pro- awesome. Proceed. No, it's good. Listen, I'm glad somebody got it. Because <laughs> it's their time. Their time. Up there. Down here, it's our time. It's our time down here. That's all over the second we ride up Troy's bucket. Um, yeah, the positions held there. I was a concessionaire, an usher, a doorman, a box office employee, and I did projection at this job. Ooh. Um, yeah, the majority of the time I was probably an usher or a doorman, but well, we'll get into all that. My wage earned, I don't remember what I started at, but I know I ended at 625. So I think I probably started at like minimum wage, whatever that was, probably in the you know high fours, low fives. Yeah. And then at some point I got myself a little raise. Nice, um, nice and bump. I was employed there for one year and three months. So this is officially the longest job I had up until this point. Yep. And that, my friends, was your occupational breakdown. Occupational breakdown. not necessary i don't know why but that's the that's the melody that comes out of me when i sing the words occupational breakdown yeah there's some consistency on both our ends mine is always Mm -hmm. occupational breakdown yeah you do the little dippy dip i do more like the jingle occupational breakdown oh i like i feel like i'm trying to sell you a kit kat bar actually in my version so Mm. that's not very original um, yeah, that's not the point of this show. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what we're doing. So, uh, like we spoke la- like before we talked about this job, um, well, you know, first let's actually talk about what I was doing around this time. If you'll remember from the last episode, which you probably don't since you missed that episode in your brain while we were starting here, but for the audience at home that's listening chronologically, uh, they'll remember that I was working at Bixby, Bixby's Bagels in Champaign, Illinois, and then things got a little bit weird there because of me and my boundary issues, and uh, I ended up leaving. So middle of June, 97, this would have been, Shane and I left Champaign and headed back up to the northwest suburbs of Chicago, where I was bred, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so weird why you weren't bred in illinois no i wasn't what is, is bread mean like conceived what does it mean exactly i'm assuming that's what to? you meant <laughs> you originated in mexico no i definitely was bred in uh costa mesa california i believe on holiday street i think if i remember memory serves correct i know i wasn't there exactly mm-hmm. but i was told after the fact got it in fact i think my parents had sex in somebody that they're, they're like one of their friends slash people that worked in the department at the college that they were graduate students at and his name was don heine hmm. and i remember thinking that was funny as a kid don heine that people a just kid would think that that's that guy's funny. yeah like why, why isn't everybody laughing at that guy's name every time it's said <laughs> out loud <laughs> i was conceived i think in don heine's house mm. but i might be wrong and either way who gives a fuck uh yeah i got back to the northwest suburbs um and i i didn't have a place to live exactly but my friend jen at the time said that i could live with her she had an apartment in buffalo grove 
So she was like, yeah, you can come stay with me. And, and it was sort of open-ended, like, just come stay as long as you need. And I don't remember a lot about that living experience, except for I remember that her and Shane would argue loudly in her bedroom while I was, like, out in the living room, like, getting ready to go to sleep or whatever. They would, like, retire to the bedroom to argue loudly. They weren't, like, <laughs> dating, but they were sort of... They had been dating for a long time before that, and it was one of those things where they just fell into old habits, I think. I don't know what exactly was going on. Okay. But I have a very <clears throat> strong memory. Did you ever see the movie Witness with Harrison Ford? Sure did. like a... Okay, so Harrison Ford is a cop, and the uh, the plot of the movie is basically these, this Amish kid is with his mom, and he witnesses a murder or something, and then they want him to testify, and so he goes back to his Amish settlement, and Harrison Ford goes there to, like, stay with them to protect them, yeah. you know what I mean? Like witness protection. And so it's... Yeah, well, no, yeah, he's, well, not really, so he's he's an Amish person, so there's this Amish community, and then Harrison Ford is, like, a, a New York cop that goes and stays with the Amish people to make sure that that kid's protected until the trial, something like that, and then, of course, Harrison Ford falls in love with the kid's mom, played by Kelly McGillis. <laughs> this is a long way of saying that I have a very vivid memory of pausing the movie Witness, the VHS copy of Witness that Jen had in her living room. On the nude scene of Telly, of uh, Kelly McGillis, so I could jerk off <laughs> while listening to Shane and Jen argue in the bedroom. <laughs> Just for me, show me what your face looked like as you're. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So now, if you ever see the movie Witness, and it's actually a good movie, but when you ever, if you if you do ever see the movie Witness. When you get to that scene where she like takes her boobs out, yeah, fucking, I paused that shit. It was all blurry and VHS, like 480p old school, you know, <laughs> 480p. And I just, I just did my, did my thing. <laughs> sometimes, you um, gotta. sometimes you gotta. So uh, my first day back at TNC, uh, TNC being town and country, was uh, June twenty fourth, ninety seven. I actually did some little bit of research here, kind of try to find. A little more dates since this is a longer job i think it, it behooves me to like sort of be able to sort of place things better than maybe previous episodes okay um <clears throat> weirdly i don't remember my first day at the theater i remember i skated there from jen's house so back then i was still skating how far was that and it was pretty far <laughs> yeah it took me about 40 minutes 45 minutes to skate there and it's probably like four or five miles oh. i remember it was hot too and then that night, me and Dan went to see Rollins Band at the Vic. That's fucking cool. Yeah. And I also remember that that was like a streak where I had seen Rollins once a year for like five years straight in some form, either with his band or doing spoken word or, you know, whatever. Mm. But yeah, I was, was very, very into Rollins back then. Um, So when I first got to the, we're going to talk about the job in a minute, but I feel like it's important for you to kind of know the, the around the job stuff. I think it'll lend itself to the stories and there's going to be a lot of anecdotes and stories here. So hopefully we'll even get through this thing. Um, when we got back to the Northwest suburbs, you know, me and Shane had been playing together in Champaign a bit. We tried playing with a couple different bass players and just didn't, you know, didn't work out. Um, we started playing with Aaron almost immediately when I got up to the Northwest suburbs. I think mean, he was home for the summer and you know so we would get together we we drive out to where shane was staying in dekalb he had gone to college there and like was shane living up in like the buffalo grove area at that time or he was living no in fucking he had, DeKalb? i think he was living in dekalb then he moved to champaign 
and then was like in Champagne with me for a while. And then when we came back to the Northwest suburbs, he was sort of staying with his grandparents slash living in DeKalb with like friends, you know, the apart the, the house that he had lived in before he was still welcome there. It was all the same people. And it was all people like we either went to high school with or people he was friends with from college. It was like a party house. You know what I mean? You and kind of come and go as you please. Right. And that was, I mean, DeKalb's fucking far. That's like an hour, right? Yeah. It's like a solid hour. Okay. So like we would get, we'd get together. We'd drive an hour out there because we had a place to play there that we could play in the basement of the house there. So you know, we'd set our shit up and, and fucking play for five, six hours. And yeah, I actually remember the first time that we got together and played in DeKalb, we, we wrote the first Midwest song at the time, which it's the first song on the demo. So you're aware of just chronologically. Um, but yeah, it was cool. It was like, oh shit, this is what this is like. I hadn't played with them since fucking high school. So that was a that was kind of a trip to like fall right back in. I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I remember it being like. That's these guys fucking don't... cool, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, these guys, these guys like what I do. They don't, they don't stop playing. Go, I don't want to play that. That's not, that's not cool enough for mm. whatever reason. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Um, I mean, Aaron's like the most easygoing guy generally when it comes to music, especially. He's very like, yeah, let's try that. Let's do this. Let's go this way. Let's, you know, he's never like that sucks. <laughs> he's just, he's not that kind of, he's not the guy to do. He will pack up his fucking bass and leave if you can't keep four four time, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty low standard. Without saying opinion. a fucking word. Nope, he's he's done. He's finished his... <laughs> I'll be whatever up, this I'll, was, he's Lou, done. I'll, I'll be upstairs, bro. I'll see you when you're ready. <laughs> I'm going to see myself out. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was awesome. That started happening real quick when, when I got back up there. And then I lived with Jen for about two weeks before things went sideways. Um. Yeah. Chris is looking at me like, yeah, this this was coming. Waiting for we knew, it. We knew this was coming. It's not going to go where you think it's going to go exactly, probably, but it's still going to go somewhere. And your penis um, didn't do anything wrong? <laughs> no, my in this this time, my penis did not do anything wrong. Unless I'm not going to say it hadn't done something scene. wrong in the past, but this time, this was my penis was not responsible for any, any ill will or any badness that happened here. <laughs> Understood. Uh, <laughs> so... I, I I don't know exactly what happened. My memory's a little hazy, and also the versions of the story I got were a little bit shifty. But, you know, she was a waitress at Buca de Beppo, and I don't think she was making enough to cover rent on her one-bedroom apartment in Buffalo Grove doing that. And the way, the way it went down was I was, like, at work, and Shane called me, and he was like, hey... Just so you know, she, uh, Jen told her dad that you stole her stere- a stereo from her or something like you stole some sort of like audio equipment from her and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) like i just like what and now looking back my thought is well then i would i would go and talk to jen like hey what's going on right yeah my reaction was like all right well you're fucking crazy i'm gonna leave i'm gonna get the fuck out of your apartment because i don't know what the hell's wrong with you i definitely didn't steal any shit from you i don't have anywhere to put shit you know, like all my, I, like, where st- am I going to put it? <laughs> you still live it with put you. it in your corner of the living room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. I was like, I remember thinking it was so bizarre that I was like, well, I don't know what's going on, but I want the fuck out of whatever situation this is turning into. Um, my, my armchair kind of idea of what happened is that I think she was trying to get money from her dad to help her pay rent. <laughs> And in an effort to garner sympathy from him or something, 
concocted this weird story about how like she had let me stay there and then i had been like i had taken stuff from her or something it's even possible that he made a comment like hey you should sell your stereo if you need money and then next thing (laughs) i know i'm being accused what's funny about it i'm just like all right so you're looking at me you know in my living room i i just okay so Mm -hmm. this is jen's house your corner's yeah. right over here, and your pile of shit, Correct. along with your new stereo, is in that pile. <laughs> like that's <laughs> it's. It was exactly that. Oh. It was. There was no way it made any sense at all. And then you I asked her when she came home, "Hey, Jen, do you like my new stereo?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is as weird. As, that's about how I felt at the time. I was like. That's weird, but I don't want any more of whatever is happening next. I feel like this is going to get weird quick. Um, yeah, so I, just a little button on the story. Maybe a year later, she actually came into the theater, and I didn't talk to her at all from the point where I bailed on her apartment until this point. But like a year went by, and then she came in to the theater, and she had like two little kids that she was dragging along with. She was like babysitting or something. Oh, okay. And brought these kids in to like, and she basically came up and apologized to me. And she, she, basically said i don't know why i told that lie and i'm so sorry and you know blah 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 i don't remember exactly what she said but i remember thinking like it's all right you <laughs> and, know like and then the next thing she said was these are your two kids, <laughs> these <are> your kids. <laughs> this, this is your son and your daughter <laughs> <laughs> they're like s- seven and eight and i'm like what the fuck yeah <laughs> i mean it could have been that crazy but no i i remember thinking like well it's big of her to look me in the eye and apologize and not try to you know make up some weird like bullshit it was just like i'm sorry for doing what i did and i was like yeah it's fine don't worry about it yeah i i pretty much that was one of the first times i just completely let go of something like that where i was like man yeah, it's fine don't worry about it um not to say that i haven't after that been petty and held fucking (laughs) vendettas and shit right yeah um so after i left her apartment i i remember putting all my shit in dan's parents house but i was like i don't know where i'm gonna live like he was like you can put my stuff here but you know i live with my parents and his parents are kind of i don't they're not conservative but they're normal adults they're not like necessarily they're not like fun adults you know what i mean they're nice they're super nice but they're not the kind of adults that like you swear in front of and they're not the kind of adults that lou can you know just casually come live there um you know me sleeping over there would be suspicious more than one day you know (laughs) right so i remember i had a very i i was sleeping on like a couple different people's couches just trying to figure out what's next and i had a very serious conversation with dan about whether or not i could sleep in a storage room at the theater like, like, just lock me in the theater at night and I'll just sleep there. And then the next morning, someone will open the door. And as long as I stay quiet and, like, wait to come out until they're not looking. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, we were really considering it. And I think he got, I think he felt so bad for me. He's like, let me figure something out. And he ended up asking his parents if I could stay with them. And they said yes. And then not too long after i was there they basically said you know you can stay here for a while as long as you do some chores around the house and i feel like i might have paid them something but it was so small if it if it was anything it was just like a ceremonial payment more than anything else you know like fucking 100 bucks or maybe even less than that sure but yeah i was fucking watering plants and mowing the lawn and stuff like that nice and 
even though they were very gracious, they didn't, I wasn't allowed to have a key. So like <laughs> if I, I spent almost all my time with Dan because it was the only way I was going to get back in at the end of the night. <laughs> right. So we, you know, we worked a lot of the same shifts and stuff, but I had a lot, I have a lot of memories of me sitting on my skateboard in their fucking driveway in the dark, just like waiting for somebody to get home <laughs> Fuck. for like an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, it wasn't fucking awesome, but I, it's better than the storage room of the theater, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. And I got to sleep in his sister Jean's room, which was it had like teal carpet and fucking pink wallpaper and a big ass dollhouse in the corner. Oh, and I'm sitting there like, hey, what's going on? Here I am. <clears throat> so back to town and country. Um, as we talked about before, you actually remember this theater. You went there to see one of the Batman movies, right? That's true. Yeah, Batman Forever. Batman Forever. I, you know, I feel like when I listened back and edited that episode, I did the math. I looked up when Batman Forever came out, and it actually would have been this time around. The previous, no, the previous time maybe it was whatever whatever we said it was. It was the opposite of that. Okay. So I can't remember right now whether or not we said it was this time or we or whether or not we said it was that time. But whatever one we said, it's the opposite. Got it. <laughs> Either way, I was probably working in the theater when you came in. Um, if it was this time, I definitely was because they're a fucking lot. Um, yeah, Town Country, like I said before, it's a six-screen theater. Uh, the mall was fucking run down. There was like, you know, maybe half the stores were closed at that point. And at this point, so before Dan was the assistant manager and there was this chick, Nikki, was the general manager that I like very rarely dealt with. Yeah. So this time Dan is the general manager. He's the fucking head honcho, which was weird. <laughs> why you know to to me he's dan so you know dan in a fucking suit and tie like <clears throat> managing this big ass theater and shit and being in charge of you know all these employees I, it wasn't like ridiculous to me but it was just like no that's dan <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> is there another dan <laughs> it's the dan that's that's there's it's it's so weird for him to be in charge of everything but he was <laughs> right um and it I benefited greatly from it because I kind of did everything and nothing. Yeah, for right? sure. Like yeah. I would, I would, I was scheduled as usher and doorman, and I did the basics of the job, but I also did the fuck I wanted. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, spent a lot of time not doing anything or just fucking socializing with the employees there, or just being a fucking weirdo like how I am. Right. Um, most of the staff there was like either high school kids or just out of high school. And I mean, I was young. I was, you know, 21, I think, at the time. I think it turned 21 that May. So, uh, yeah, I was like a little older than them, but I was still close enough that I didn't feel like I was babysitting. Like, yeah. Definitely the girls were still cute and the guys were still had a similar sense of humor, even though they were all kind of a little bit less mature in the ways that matter, <laughs> right. I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Um I remember this guy fucking Bill when I first started working there. First of all, I've talked about Bill without saying his name previously because one of the one th this was one of the first times where I met a guy who was kind of religious. He's kind of he was like a baseball player at his fucking Catholic school. He was kind of homophobic. Like he wasn't homophobic out overtly, except for there was this gay dude that worked there too. And they used to get into it all the time because Bill was super uncomfortable with how kind of flamboyant this guy was. Yeah. And then this guy would react to that. Like, well, if you think this is annoying, I'm going to do it to you and at you and make you have to deal with it. And it was a constant sort of like there was tension. You I, I kind of like that though. 
I do too. I I, <laughs> I got along well with with Adam. That's the the gay dude that yeah. I'm talking about. He's a good dude. But um, yeah, Bill. I remember like when I first started working there, he kept calling me Joe. I don't know why. I guess because three letters in the name, and he just couldn't like when he looked at me, I looked like a Joe. And I remember after like two days of that, he called me Joe, and I told him if you call me Joe again, I was gonna take him outside and kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Like, dead serious. Like, yeah. don't fucking call me Joe again, man. And he didn't fucking call me Joe ever again. Um, there was also... Have we ever talked to you about the cause? I, I, yes. You have to have heard yes. the voice and shit, right? Yes. So this is where the cause was... I mean, the cause was around. She was a, a, a manager whose name was not the cause. <laughs> but the, it was a play on her last name. And I think the idea was we're going to take this supremely uncool chick and give her a nickname... And, like, jokingly, like, she's cool. So she became the cause. Yeah. And she was awful. I, it, Looking back, I'm, like, on the edge. Like, were we bullying her? Or she was the most socially awkward person I'd ever met. I, I think still I've ever met. And she seemed completely unself-aware. Describe her. And how old? She, okay, she was one of those people where she was probably, like, 26 but she looked like she was 46. Holy shit. And she was like, you know, like frumpy and like she didn't, she made no attempt to look good to the opposite sex, whether or not that's, I'm not judging that one way or the other. That's just a fact. It was no effort put into her appearance. Yeah. She dressed like a fucking 45 year old librarian or something. And she had, her voice was this crazy high-pitched thing, and she only had, like, a couple of things she'd say a lot, which she would say, I forgot. Like, if you asked her a question and she couldn't remember, I forgot. Like, hey, Kathy, what'd you do with the, those keys? I forgot. Hey, Kathy, did you <laughs> did you finish closing the box yet? Um, I forgot. Like, that was exactly like that. She'd also go, yay! <laughs> 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 when she was happy about something what did her normal like, voice hey, sound Kathy, like we hit our goal hey uh it sounded like that but she just didn't say a lot she was very like quiet she didn't talk that much i i don't know what was wrong with her but if she had been cool like not cool like hip but just cool like friendly and interested and whatever but she would like come out and say the most ridiculous things like she'd come out and be like um you guys need to blah, blah, blah. And she'd like tell us this shit. And we're like, what? Like we're looking around like, wait, what? Like what are you are like telling us that we need to like how we should pack up the bulk candy. And that's something we do in like seven hours from now. And she's like deciding to come out randomly and just tell us as a group that she, this needs to be done this way. And we're like, all right, take it easy. But she also used to say when something was bad, she'd go, bummer. <laughs> But my fucking favorite, my favorite cause moment was, I guess she, so she didn't drive. So someone would come and pick her up from work. And I guess whoever was supposed to come pick her up didn't show up. And then she like called them to find out why, why they weren't there. And me and Dan only heard her side of the conversation, but it was all like quiet. Like, like we couldn't hear what, like a little mouse, you know? And then all of a sudden she goes, well, thanks for fucking telling me. <laughs> and hangs up the phone. <laughs> and we laughed for fucking hours on that. It was so fucking awesome. She also used to collect Happy Meal toys. Oh. And anytime a new McDonald's opened in the area, her and her family would like 
trek there to make it, it was like a destination like ooh, a new mcdonald's is open so i don't know if that tells you everything you need to know <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> what people do that shit with that one fucking restaurant that they're like homophobic and they make fried chicken. Chick Chick Fil A. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Chick Fil A. <laughs> They're homophobic. Just the entire establishment of Chick Fil A. They don't like gays, and they don't work on Sundays. <laughs> Have you had Chick Fil A? I've not had Chick Fil A actually. It's mediocre. Yeah. Okay. Does nothing for me. When I lived in Georgia, it was a thing there a lot, and there is one Chick Fil A in the area here that's like pretty popular. I think I went there once since moving here and I was like, yeah, I don't, this is, I, I used to eat it in Georgia occasionally. It's definitely like just chicken sandwiches. It's yeah. not really, it's not impressive. Um, and also, you know, they don't like gay people. They're homophobic chicken sandwiches. So bummer, <laughs> bummer, <laughs> bummer. <laughs> um, yeah. So before I started working at the theater, Dan had told a bunch of the employees that I was an ex Navy SEAL that had been dishonorably, or uh, sorry, honorably discharged because I broke both my legs in a parachuting accident or something like that. Yeah. And he didn't tell me he told them that. <laughs> so on day like two or three, I started to have people like ask me very weird questions. No one was just outright asking me, but they were asking me things where I was like, where's this going? And I realized that Dan was playing a little game with me. And yeah, so the idea is like he he tells people crazy shit and then sees how I react to it. And if I react wrong, if I'm like, "What are you talking about?" and what the Navy SEALs, <laughs> then I lose. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, that fucker! I'm gonna get him." So he has this big ass fucking scar on his chin. Have you ever seen his chin scar? I don't know if I have. Yeah, he's got this like gnarly chunk missing from his chin, and he like ran into something in his backyard. You know, he's running and there's a piece of metal or something sticking out of the ground, and uh, but. I told some of the employees there that he had gotten attacked by a shark. And like, oh, you have, has Dan ever showed you his fucking shark bite scar? He's got a fucking gnarly scar from a shark bite. And so I'm thinking like, oh, they're going to like go and ask him. And he's going to be like, what? Like completely thrown. So I like was in the room when the fucking they started bringing it up to him. Like, oh, let me, let me see your shark, your shark bite. Let me see your shark bite scar. And he immediately pulled his fucking pant leg up. Like, without missing a beat. He was just like, oh, here, right? Like, this fucking gnarly bit the shit out of me. <laughs> what the fuck dude like, why aren't you in improv comedy he would kill an improv you know it was so fucking crazy i love dan blew my mind i do too i miss that fucking guy not not like he's dead or anything but i miss having him in my life on a regular basis yeah yeah but uh yeah that fucking job was the wild west um this will be one of a couple of jobs this will be one of a couple of jobs over the course of my life where I, I mentioned that because, you know, there's jobs where you you go to work and you have to sort of be a different person than you are and you have to put on a, a, a happy face. You have to put on your like customer facing, you know, persona or whatever. And then there's jobs where you're just you and customers are just there. And if they don't like it, tough shit. And there's not a whole lot that like there's not a lot of recourse you know if, if someone doesn't like what you're doing or how you're doing it but yeah i remember I, I mean it was like i think it was because so dan's the general manager this was around the time that sony bought or partnered with cineplex odeon i think they just bought them we became Lowe's cineplex or something like that um and I think that the idea was they're going to look at the, the, the landscape of the theaters over the next two years or whatever and see which theaters were worth keeping open and which weren't. And town and country sort of slipped through the cracks. Like we made just enough money to not immediately get shut down, but 
not enough money to have like people coming in there a lot to see what we were up to or va- evaluate us. Like they was sort of like, yeah, we're going to close them later. You know, it was just sort of that sweet. <laughs> I, I can't. Yeah, I can't think of why else because it was like a perfect storm. There's no all these things sort of happened in a way that made us sort of on our own. We were just our own island out there just doing our thing. And I don't, I don't really know how much answering for Dan had to do over the years. I imagine more than I saw. But not enough that he like was like, hey, you got to change your behavior, bro. Like very rarely did he did he have like a talk with me. A couple of talks happened, but (laughs) for sure (laughs) not as many as should have happened. Probably. Um, I remember at one point the district manager came in. I didn't I didn't even like acknowledge her. She like walked by and even see her. I was in the fucking uh, lobby of the theater completely empty. It's like me and two concessionaires just like goofing off. And I'm singing Maneater by Hall and Oates like top of my lungs like fucking doing the cabbage patch just enjoying life. Oh. And next thing I know uh, next thing I know Dan's like hey uh, when Sue comes in you got to wear a different name tag because I told her I fired you because she told me to fire you. <laughs> Basically, she told him to fire me, and so he told her he fired me, and then I just had to wear a different name tag anytime she came in because she was so oblivious she wouldn't recognize me. And the best fucking part is she was the general manager of Ridge when I got hired there. So, oh my like, god, like she—that's sh- how. Un- Remember last, uh, maybe two episodes ago, we talked about how un- unmemorable I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's another example. Yeah, she, so that made me laugh—the idea that I just would change my name tag. He's like, yeah, I fired Lou. That's that's Larry over there. <laughs> Someone else. Have you guys, um, you guys were writing a screenplay, right? For like five minutes? Yeah. Uh, yeah, longer than five <clears throat> minutes, but yeah. Oops. Yeah, we, we got through probably about two thirds. We got through act two and we were partway through act three, like the final act of it when sort of life got in the way and we sort of split off. And then I... I more or less decided like it was around the same time that this the uh, the podcast fell apart because you know he, he wasn't gonna have time anymore. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, that that he's no longer gonna be a thing here, so I'm gonna take this and do my own thing with it. I've actually been developing it as like a TV show. Oh, like, that's I'm awesome! Writing a whole thing, and you know, one of the things where maybe it never gets made, maybe it never gets seen, but it's ne- it needs to be documented somehow. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you all about that another time. It's actually, I think you'd find it really interesting what I'm doing with it. Cause it's not just about the theater There's a whole bunch of other stuff going on, but well, I'd love to read it. If that was a possibility, of course, once I, once I get to a point where it, it makes sense to let you read it, okay, you'll be my first stop. Well, second stop. Tammy's my first stop with everything, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we've talked about passes over the years. Uh, we called them re readmits. That's what they were called. And they were basically like, so let's say something happened. Let's say a fucking, the, the, the projector broke and everybody came out of the theater mad. Like we want our money back. The, like the thing the manager had at his disposal was these readmits. Basically he would give people these fucking tickets and they could get into any fucking movie at any Cineplex Odeon with that ticket. Didn't matter if it was a matinee or a late show. Didn't matter if it was like a no passes show. They were like a get into the theater free. Car. I mean, they were exactly that. A get into the free theater free card. Yeah. Um, yeah. Readmission tickets. So we called them readmits. And they came on these big ass fucking rolls. Like, you know, like carnival tickets, you, you know, but bigger. Tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <clears throat> that. But they were big and blue and like fucking heavy cardboard. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know how hard they would have been to like manufacture, but... I, 
they were the kind of thing where they should be held under lock and key. And I feel like I remember Dan telling me that somehow when like the previous manager had like moved or something had happened, he had ended up with a fucking roll of these things that was unaccounted for. <laughs> like there was nobody was ever going to ask for these things. So they're just like his. He could just do what the fuck he wanted with them. Right. And so we used to trade for food like anywhere that would trade for food so he'd call up a fucking manager of olive garden and say hey my you know i work at the theater blah blah, blah. i've got these things would you be willing to do a trade and nine times out of ten the manager was like yeah sure so we'd fucking give the manager however many readmits would equal the price of whatever we were ordering you know yeah so almost every fucking night we'd eat for free <laughs> we fucking eat you know olive garden we went to the, the old country buffet in the mall the fucking buffet place we went there all the fucking time and just give the manager like two or three readmits, walk right in and fucking fill our trays with <laughs> not even plates, just trays full of fucking carrot cake and shit. Our mom yeah. would take us but there all the time. That old country buffet. That specific one? That specific was one. Was it that one? That's awesome. That one I was got clean most of my silverware. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, when we when we got our apartment, I'll tell tell you about it in a minute, but when we got our apartment, all our silverware came from the old country buffet. <laughs> so funny yeah but um so yeah i lived at dan's place for about three months the dan's parents house which seems like a long fucking time i'm gonna be honest with you yeah but yeah it went fast it didn't it didn't seem like a long time to me at the time it seemed sort of like that but um me and dan and jacqueline got an apartment together it's about five minutes away from his parents house and uh the i remember the apartment manager her name was Dana, and Dan and I found her very, very sexy, of course, <laughs> as I'm sure you could imagine. Right. She had a tattoo of a dolphin on one of her tits that would, like, kind of peek out of her, her blouse. Sure. And she had a scar under one eye, like, on her cheek that looked like she got hit in the face with a bottle. But sexy, though. <laughs> yeah. But the sexy kind. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, the sexy kind of battered wife. Um, yeah, but she, she was very cute, though. I'm not even joking. She was, like... <laughs> really attractive <laughs> really it was attractive, like an ongoing thing but she looked like she yeah, spent she's... some time in the can in the, in the joint, in the fucking <laughs> joint yeah. she uh she used to fucking she'd go swimming at the pool down there and and we'd be like up on her balcony and just chilling out and she'd be down there in her fucking leopard print bikini with her fucking scar in her face just looking sexy as hell <laughs> <laughs> you're so fucking weird i know I know I am. Oh. It's seriously how it was, though. This is how it was with us, man. My face um, hurts from smiling. Dude, I remember... Uh, so we went to like fill out paperwork or something in the apartment, and Dan buzzes the, the um, intercom, and Dana's like, hello? And she's like, hi, this is Dan McCullough. I was wondering if I could come up and uh, see ya. <laughs> and, then, and as soon as he said it, he looks at me like, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> And from then then on, man, we quoted that shit like once a week. Hi, this is Dan McCullough. I was wondering if I could come up and see ya. <laughs> so weird. It was awesome. What did she, what did she say? She was just like, sure. And she buzzed us up and it was never a thing. But it was fucking funny to me. I don't know. Funny. She was so distracted by the, the big scar on her cheek. She wasn't worried about it. <laughs> she was distracted by the own scar. <laughs> The scar on her own scar. She what could see f- it in reflections what? in the room. What fucking happened like to me? Reflecting off a toaster. 
how did this happen? Yeah, I remember she came to the theater once on a date with a guy, and Dan's like, you think he's the one who did it? <laughs> I was like, man, fucking I hope not. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Um, so we didn't have a lot of furniture at that apartment, because, you know, like, Dan was living with his parents, and I was living with his parents. <laughs> So we had like, but we had movie posters, fucking every, basically every inch of every wall in that place was movie posters. And then we had two full size standees. Um, we had the, I, I don't, I know what you did last summer standee with fucking huge Jennifer Love Hewitt tits on it, yeah, like seven feet tall. And then we had a full like light up Braveheart display with like Mel Gibson with a big, like glowing yellow background and shit. Awesome. It was fucking better than furniture. And then, <laughs> so our couch was gifted to us by this dude, John. I'm sure I've told you about John over the years, but this during this conversation, you'll get lots of John. Um, but did you ever watch Pee-wee's Playhouse? The show? Yeah, there was a TV show. It's like where Pee-wee Herman kind of became before the movies. Um, maybe I have, but the movies i think it was before that but yeah he he had a show it was like a you know hey and he like had friends and they had fun and characters he had a chair that was a big blue chair with a face on it that was like anamorphic he would talk and shit his name was cherry yeah so john had a couch john had a big blue couch and underneath the like main cushion if you lift it up he had drawn a face on it in, in like magic marker and we called it couchy and that was our couch in our living room in that apartment. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Fucking couchy. Um, yeah, I feel like John is like a whole episode on his own of this fucking show. Like this, he was, I don't know. It's like he was the kind of guy that when you tell stories about him, he sounds like he might be, like you might be laughing at him, but he was in on the joke. Like when you got to know him, he was in on the joke. Is this you know John I mean? Yauk? No, no, no. This is different John. John Yauk's awesome, too. This is uh, John Witted. But, okay. Uh, yeah, John Yauk is from the Ridge days. And, yeah, he's also very funny. But did, he's, like, cool. Did I meet John, Yauk John is like, Witted? I don't know. I, I haven't seen the guy in a fucking million years. He, like, fell off the earth, as far as I know. Like, he doesn't have social media presence that I've seen. But I fucking loved that guy. He made this time at the theater, like, infinitely more awesome. He was super into ska. Like, he had a fucking, like, the checkerboard tattoo armband. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's how into ska he was. Constantly talking about, like, the pie tasters and fucking all these bands I never heard. Um, but I, I remember, like, one of the quintessential John Witted stories for me is driving in his fucking minivan. And, he you know, he had a minivan and it had a fuck Q11 bumper sticker on it. Which, if you're in the Chicago area, you remember Q101 was like the big alternative radio station in the 90s and you know probably even now. I don't know. But is it gone? Yeah. Is there no more Q101? Yeah. R.I.P. Q101. Yeah. So he had a fuck Q- Q101 bumper sticker on his van. And I remember we pulled up next to a carload of like cute girls. And, you know, we're sitting there and, and they're like motioning, like, roll down your window, roll down your window. And he rolls down his fucking window and the girl's like, I love your sticker. You know, I love your bumper sticker. And he goes, fuck off. And then lays a patch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most bizarre reaction I'd ever seen. And that like the last thing you'd expect somebody to do. <laughs> it was so amazing. He fucking yelled, fuck off and laid a patch. Oh my god! 
<laughs> just think about weird. that like once a month. <laughs> it's so funny. He also, so you know what a Prince Albert is, right? Sure do. Yeah, so I don't know if our audience does. I'm sure some of them do, but what a Prince is Albert it? is a type of piercing. And it's basically like a ring that you would pierce through the bottom part of the head of your penis. So when you're looking at the penis, it would look like there's a fucking loop sticking out of the front of it. Um, and so <laughs> I don't even know how to tell this story. So he had gotten a Prince Albert, right? He had gone to a fucking piercing place, gotten a Prince Albert, was very proud of himself, was showing it off to people. And then at some point it like got irritating. It like it, I don't know if it was infected or something, but he took it out. And then we were like, oh, that, that we were kind of joking, like, oh, man, it was so awesome when you had the Prince Albert. Like, a week after he took it out, we're like, oh, it was fucking awesome when you had that thing. It was the coolest. And he's like, really? And we're like, yeah, it was fucking awesome. Like, it was kind of awesome, like, like interesting and funny, but also, like, kind of fun to, like, goof with him and be like, oh, it was awesome. And he's like, well, should I get it again? And then we're like, is he really is this really a possibility that he might get it redone a week after he pulled it out? And we're like, yeah, you should fucking totally get it again. And he's like, oh, you know, like a couple days goes by. He's like, I'm getting it done again. So we fucking, me and Dan went with him to the piercing place and watched him get his Prince Albert redone. And it was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. It was as bad as you would imagine it would be. Yeah. Like, when the fucking needle went through his dick, like his body reaction to that was like, <laughs> it was like electric chair kind of shit. It was so crazy. And then afterwards he was like, good sheet white holding a fucking Pepsi shaking. <laughs> I was like, why did you do that again? <laughs> and he fucking, I swear he took it out like three weeks later. <laughs> he got it for Albert like twice in a row and then took him out. But... <laughs> I really honestly think he got it just because he wanted to, like, show us what it was like. I I'm, I don't even know. Like, I think he was like, well, they think it's interesting. Let's go do it. You know, it was so fucking amazing. He yeah. was such a crazy guy. <laughs> um, around the same time, I actually got my tongue pierced by the guy that did his Prince Albert. So, how do you feel about that? The idea that I had my tongue pierced? Um... <laughs> I mean, it's it's a little weird, but for the time period, it makes sense. Yeah, I got my I got my tongue pierced. Me and Jacqueline have been talking about both doing it, and we were going to do it together. And then I think something happened, and she wasn't going to be able to go. And so I was like, well, fuck, I'm just going to go do it while I have the nerve. Yeah. But this was before everybody had their tongue pierced, you know? So, like, I remember I got my tongue pierced, and then maybe two or three years later, all of a sudden, every fucking teenage girl I, I met had their tongue pierced and i was like okay this is quite a bit less cool now than it was yeah and yeah so i think i had it in for about three years and when i take it out it'll be part of another story that i'll tell you when we get to that episode okay but but yeah i remember i got my tongue pierced from the guy rudy that did his fucking prince albert and he told me he'd give me a deal if i got my nipples done from him <laughs> i didn't i didn't get my nipples done i don't know if you know that I do know that. <laughs> I feel like if you had your, your nipples pierced, I'd know about it. You would definitely know about it. I For a, a while, I thought about getting my frenulum pierced, which is the bottom, the skin on the bottom of the dick, like on the shaft, maybe like half an inch below the head. Like, I thought about getting that done, but I was like... Eh. For what, though? I don't know. I You know what? When I was thinking about it, it was partially just like, look how fucking extreme I am. Mm. I'm not going to lie to you. It was... The same reason people fucking do 
cocaine for the first time probably <laughs> yeah. like fucking check me out <laughs> oh, i'd be so scared you just get it caught on a piece of fabric or something <sighs> you know my tongue was an issue when i got my tongue pierced it took like three weeks for it to heal enough that i could eat normal and i remember eating trying to eat pizza dias at tgi fridays <laughs> and getting it caught and like ripping and like it fucking sucked dude oh you know what the funniest thing about getting my tongue pierced was i remember I was like a customer at the theater. I was working door and they were like, oh, you know, like, you you have your tongue pierced? I'm like, yeah, I just got it done. They're like, oh, doesn't it bother you that it gave you a lisp? And I'm like, bitch, I already had a lisp. <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck, what the fuck are you talking about? Fuck you, asshole. Like, yeah, like, why are you trying to harsh my mellow, man? <laughs> what did they say when you said that? I don't remember. I think they just like, oh, sorry. And then like, you know, went into the theater. Keep, they were customers. Keep stepping. Yeah, just, just you go that way. Theater four on your left. Actually, it would be on your right, but I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> so at some point, Dan decided to up the ante when it comes to these fucking readmits, trading them for goods and services. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, there's two real standouts, but the first one was, so we'd moved into our apartment and we had a fucking dining room, but no dining room table because fuck that shit. And <laughs> you're not a grandma. He's like, he comes to me. He's like, you know, I'm thinking about seeing if maybe like sports authority would be down to do a trade. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I think maybe I could work it. And so next thing I know, he's fucking trading readmits for store credit at the sports authority. And we got a fucking Olympic weight bench. Fuck That's yeah, the same weight bench he still fucking has. Yeah. Using readmits. And so that we put that in our fucking in our dining room, which became our workout room in the apartment. So he got the Olympic weight bench and then a bunch of fucking weight and bars for it and shit with readmits. How much weight? Which do you I think? thought was what? How much weight total? Like, do you think three? Oh, I would say probably four forty fives for the for the bar, and then maybe like two twenty fives, two thirty fives, two tens, that kind of thing. Sweet. It was like enough to like really cover everything. I remember not having a problem with that. I remember doing two oh five when during that time so i know there was enough to put 205 on the bar but then the other the other thing the other standout which uh, you're very familiar with is dan having the genius idea to trade readmits to get into the admiral <laughs> yeah. the world famous admiral theater now for those of you not in the know or not perverts living in chicago the admiral is a, a strip club it's a strip club. on the north side now you're a Chicago guy. Do you consider that the North Side? What would you consider that? Yeah, it's North. It's okay. like I don't know. really know. I'm not enough of a Chicago guy to really know the neighborhoods and shit. Yeah, I guess that's not a neighborhood, but it is. <clears throat> it's North, a little bit West, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's actually East of where I am right now. I know, not too far, huh? No, it isn't. When I look on a map. You're as a crow. You could probably throw a baseball there and hit a tit. <laughs> Ow, don't do that though dickhead um yeah fucking dan I, I don't know how he did it but he like talked to the right manager i think it was a woman i think her name i don't remember her name is i think it was dana but that just sounds like the our fucking manager from the apartment so <laughs> i may just be mixing my memories but I, i'm pretty sure it was a woman and the way it would work was we'd figure out how many people we were bringing and then he would just put the amount of readmits that would cover that amount of money into an envelope right so whatever the cover to get in for one person he'd divide that by how much a readmit would be worth 
So, and we just walk up and ask for whoever that manager was and then give a fucking envelope full of remits to somebody and walk right in. Nobody carded anybody. Like half of the fucking kids going in were 16. <laughs> it's like a bunch of 16 year olds. Did in the they look 16? Some of them. <laughs> some of them fucking did. Yeah. It was like crazy. Like, can you imagine being a 16 year old? You got your part time job at the theater. You know, you, you go to high school and then all of a sudden your manager is like, hey, we're going to the fucking Admiral tonight. You want to go? You're like really yeah that's so you're, now you're 16 and you're in a fucking titty bar full nude like vaginas and everything out in the open just and you're just like what the i i took such great joy in those guys reaction like it was just so much fun to like to know that, that <laughs> maybe i was ruining them i don't know but <laughs> that's really i cool, would have been so i would have been so stoked at yeah. 16 to have a fucking experience like that um yeah, I know we went there for John's 18th birthday. So, and then he, uh, as soon as we got inside, he ordered fucking chicken nuggets from the Admiral. <laughs> they came out on a paper plate. <laughs> on a <laughs> like what? Microwave on a paper plate. Oh. Like they'd microwave them or something, you know what I mean? Sure. And he's sitting there fucking eating his chicken nuggets off a paper plate in a strip club while a stripper is like trying to get him to like react to her you know and then finally she fucking took the nuggets out of his hand and gave them to one of us was like knock that off man what are you doing <laughs> it was fucking amazing it's really funny. It was like dan bought him a lap dance and this stripper's trying to get the nuggets out of his hands he's continuing to eat nuggets dude he was i'm telling you this guy was a fucking barrel of laughs <laughs> chicken nuggets of the admiral i don't think it's like when he ordered them they didn't know what to do they're like wait what you you want you want the nuggets? <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever, ever ordered the nuggets before. <laughs> Who fucking? I, I'm pretty sure they had to like, club, run across though. the street. I know it was so weird. You know, there's a strip club in L.A. that was the way I said L.A. was very weird. Right, very there. strange. There's a strip club in L.A. that was known for their like breakfast buffet. However, <laughs> <laughs> right. that works. I'm gonna go see some titties and get some eggs. Ugh. But um, yeah, I think we went to the Admiral like three or four times over that year on readmits and you know always with different people always with different kind of combinations of boys and girls and uh you know i don't remember if we've talked really deeply about my feelings about strip clubs back then in your bra in your brain your impression of me you've known me for a fucking while do you imagine like lou at 20 would be like gung-ho about boobs and in that environment like what do you imagine no i feel like you'd have some feelings about it. I, I know me really well. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly <laughs> what your stance would be because that's different than drugs and alcohol and you love the female body, you know? So I do. I do. Um, yeah, you're not too far off base. I, for a period of time, I was very like not into strip clubs. I didn't have an aversion to them existing or other people enjoying them, mm -hmm. but they were not for me. I wasn't really interested in going. I had never been to one until this period of time. This is the first time I ever went to one. And the way that I reconciled it, because I'm, I was very against the idea of paying for sex mm -hmm. myself. Right. Again, I don't have any problem with you doing it. I know Chris, if you want to pay for sex, that's okay. You do your thing. I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I, I was like not into the idea and I don't know if it was, I don't, you know, I've never done it before. I've never paid somebody for sex before. So I don't know exactly what that's like. But I'm imagining that if I knew that the transaction had happened, I would have a hard time performing. Like, I don't know if I could be 
physically turned on knowing that the person I'm with is not wanting to be there other than the money. Yeah. Whether or not that's stupid or, or, you know, naive or whatever, I don't know. But that that was definitely my attitude then. It's still somewhat my attitude now. But I remember thinking, like, I don't want to pay for sex. Um, I don't mind paying for porn, like buying a porno magazine, because there's not a physical person there. Now that's semantics, because there was a physical person when, a per- when that picture was taken, and that person was just as likely victimized then as they would be if I was just standing there handing them a fiver to see their boobs or whatever. Right. But, but yeah, I don't know. Somehow I drew the line in the sand, right? Like, and it might've been partially just not feeling comfortable having a, like an interaction that way, you know, a, a transaction involving sexuality made me feel very weird and uncomfortable and probably a little bit conflicted. Like, am I gross for wanting to do that? You know, whatever. I get it. So when we did the Admiral, I was like, okay, well I'm not paying to get in. Right. This is kind of how I was like, well, I sort of want to, it's like, I sort of want to see what's in there. I sort of want to see how I react to it. It's like an experience. It's a social experiment for me a little bit. Like what, what will I find through those doors and that steamy room behind those, weird glowing uh glass bricks that <laughs> are out front of the admiral if you ever drive by it and all that bass and, coming through oh so much bass <laughs> and so i was like i was like i kind of want to see what it's like to go in here and do this thing but i don't want to pay to get in so uh this is free i'm not paying and i just won't get a lap dance i won't pay for a lap dance that's how i'll you know reconcile myself with it so i didn't you know and i that first time i was very like, I liked it. I was very titillated by it. It was very exciting sexually. I sort of, you know, I got like a little bit of boner here and there and then it went away and I'd start to feel weird about it. And then I'd like make eye contact with a chick while she's dancing and looking at me. And I'm like, she kind of looks like she's enjoying herself, but then there's something behind the eyes that's making me a little like, I kind of want to take her out of here and and (laughs) give her a new life. You know, that kind of bullshit, like savior fantasy that not lots and lots of fucking guys have when it comes to strippers and strip clubs. Right. All that stuff happened. And I was like, Oh, this is really fucking with my insides, but I didn't want to leave either. Like I was full on, like I really like this environment of naked women dancing around me and, and giving lap dances to the guy sitting next to me, which is pretty much the same as getting a lap dance. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I fucking went home and I wrote a song about it. I wrote a song called On Exposure to Admiral, or On First Exposure to Admiral Eyes, which was a Midwest song. Right. <laughs> and it's about that first time going to the Admiral, which is fucking ridiculous, but kind of awesome. That's a really good title, too, though. <clears throat> I liked it. Yeah. When I came up with it, I was like, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I like it as a song, too. I think it's a pretty good song. The The ending of that song is one of the coolest things I think I've ever written guitar-wise. Um, at some point, you can go back and listen to it yeah. and tell me if you think I'm nuts. I'm trying to like remember it's, it. It was like very C-Clamp-inspired. Like, like That's kind of what was going through my mind when I wrote that that outro part. But Ugh, I, C-Clamp I is so fucking cool, dude. C-Clamp is, it's fucking crazy to me that they can just exist in the world and not get the credit they deserve. And like, nobody knows who they are. Nobody listens to them. Mm. Fuck that shit. So we're not done yet with the Admiral because (laughs) uh, there was a, there was an optical outlet, uh, like an eyeglasses optometry store in the mall. And the girl that worked the reception desk there, this girl, Jamie, who was super, super hot. 
we were at the Admiral one time, and who the fuck comes out on stage but the girl from the optical outlet? <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. I've been, like, walking by that store. And Dan was super friendly with this girl, too. Like, she'd come to the theater and, like, you know, chit-chat and stuff. And she was always really nice. But I never talked to her. I was, like, too shy to actually talk to her or something. She was so hot. And all of a sudden, she's on stage. I'm like this is awesome and also really going to be weird in a minute because she's going to get off that stage and come down here. And she fucking did, and she just walked right up to us like, hey, guys, like completely normal with her Whoa, tits out. Okay. I was like, I was like, oh, wow, she's one of these. Like, she's not shy or, like, weird about it. She doesn't feel like she's doing something disgusting. Like, we're here as fucking customers, so obviously we're not going to be, like, judging. I mean, maybe we would still because lots of people are fucking hypocritical assholes. But right. she fucking came right up to us, and then this guy, Rob, that was with us got a fucking lap dance from her, and was sitting right next to me. And, like, while she was grinding on him, her, like, leg was touching my arm where my arm was resting on the seat. And I was just like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was so and I came so close to breaking my no lap dance policy like as <laughs> so close I was like oh my god what is like I really want to be a little more intimate with this woman than I am right now and paying $20 doesn't seem that high a price to pay <laughs> so of course all my like moral issues was right out the fucking window but I held fast I did not get a lap dance from her and I've regretted it ever since <laughs> Um, <laughs> now, before we move on from strippers, you'll recall that at Dan's bachelor party, which was also at the Admiral, I very much got lap dances. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you recall that? Yeah. At some point between point A and point B, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, this is so silly. Like, I, what, who am I trying to like, this, this weird line I've drawn in the sand is, is such bullshit. <laughs> You so either go all the way in or all the way out and i was like nah, nah that's not true because all the way in would be like hookers and i haven't gone that far all the way in but i definitely got myself a lap dance or, or thrice you broke edge bro <laughs> <I did. laughs> you fucking broke edge dude <laughs> i did i broke edge 100 percent um yeah forget the smoking weed i definitely got lap dances and it all fell apart for me Weed's not a drug. I'll tell you what, man. I've had some lap dances that are memorable, that I remember still, you know? But we'll talk about that that bachelor party another time, because yeah. this, is about, this is about town and country here. <laughs> um, you'll recall from the Ridge episodes that midnight screenings were a thing, but imagine when Dan's the manager... So it's like instead of having to sort of get some sort of approval or sort of fly under the radar or figure it out, it was like whenever, whoever. Sometimes we'd have screenings with like 40 people, like everybody and their girlfriends and bring your girlfriends, bring their friends and we're going to fucking have a party in theater four. And sometimes it was literally like me and Dan and Ed just watching a fucking movie at two in the morning <laughs> alone. <laughs> in fact... When we watched uh, L.A. Confidential that way, which is a fantastic movie. Love that movie. Uh, I didn't. I had to take a leak, and I didn't want to like miss any of the movies, so I just got up and pushed the door to the exit open, which led straight out to the back alley, and I literally just pissed out the door while watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, this is fucking perks right here. This is better than Rockstar parking. This is Rockstar pissing. You know, that shit doesn't happen anymore either, dude. No, no way. There's no way it happens. No. None of this fucking could happen. Everything about this, like I said, it was a fucking perfect storm. It was the Wild West. Like, we got away with shit. We had the run of the place. It was like the fucking 
I don't know. It was so, it was like the inmates were running the fucking prison, you right, know? Right. Like there was nobody watching us. It was so bizarre. At the time I was just like, this is fucking cool. Like it, the the whole thing was cool. Looking back, I'm like, that was so singular a moment. You know, that's never going to happen again like that. Um, Dude, I, the, the shit, the stuff, like as an usher, we used to fucking, you know, we, you, we're cleaning theaters, we're doing theater checks like throughout the day. And in, when there's a movie that has like fun nude scenes in it, like <laughs> let's say Titanic for in, instance, right? Sure. And there's the scene, you know, towards the end where she, you know, Leonardo draws Kate Winslet's boobs. As an usher, you'd be like, okay, I've been in this theater. I know, oh, here come the boobs. And then, so we just started like making mental notes of the times and then just <laughs> writing the times on the sheet. Because we had a sheet next to the doorman for the theater schedule. Like, this is when the movie starts, this is when the movie ends. And then in between, there'd be just random times scribble, scribbled in for when the boobs would come out. <laughs> so if you, real quick, you wanted to go see them, like, qu- quick, John, go into fucking theater four right now. <laughs> Run into theater four and see Denise Richards and wild things during the threesome scene. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was fucking the the shit could never happen again, you know? Like there's just no way. Whether or not that might be a good thing. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, it, we got away with some stuff. I I listen to these stories and I just think about the movie Waiting, you know? Just like mm-hmm. crazy shit like Believe that. Believe me, when we when we saw that movie, when me and Dan watched that movie, we were like, "Oh fuck, this guy knows. They the guy that wrote this movie off, worked man. somewhere." Yeah. Yeah, he knew. He's he had the same experience. He had it in a restaurant, but he had the same fucking experience. So I think that's a pretty good point to cut this episode in half. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna go and outro this episode here a little differently than normal, and then next time you guys can come back and hear part two of this town and country episode. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully you've enjoyed it enough to come back for part two. Hopefully I've kept your your interest, and if not, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but not, not, not really, though. I like you. Don't, don't go fuck yourself. I'm gonna smash you with the tactical baton. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully, the, the tactical, the tactical batons have come up before this point in the episode, <laughs> or it'll be really confusing. And either way, I'm gonna use it like this because I think it's funny. So, I appreciate you guys listening, and uh, come back next time for part two of Town and Country. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>